Okay. Let's move to our scripture this morning. I should say before we begin that, at least for these next couple of weeks, uh, we're not going to be continuing in our study of the book of Hebrews. Uh, I just really have felt led by the Lord to let him guide us in a new way in the midst of very unprecedented circumstances. And so the scriptures that he's putting upon my heart, um, I think are going to be speaking more to what we're facing as we continue to go through this. So we'll come back to Hebrews at a later date. But today, our scripture reading is going to be from Ephesians chapter 2. And you don't need to pick up your Bible, but if you are interested, we're going to be looking at Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. And I'm going to read the scripture for you, very brief, brief words that Paul writes here when he says this. Paul writes, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is being joined together and rises to become a body, a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Everything's different now, isn't it? Before, we used to argue and debate about the need to change. We'd claim our rights. We'd defend our preferences. If we didn't like what changed, well, then we'd vote with our feet. But now, our movement is limited. It's restricted. Change has been thrust upon us, like it or not. It's no longer a question of if we will adapt. We have to adapt in order to not remain isolated from each other, in order to not be cut off. But let's be honest. This is harder than we realized it, it would be. I know I think so. If there's a silver lining to all of this, I think it's making us rethink all the stuff we used to take for granted. I don't know, simple things like being able to shake hands, to embrace each other with a hug, to look each other in the eyes, to sit down together and share a meal. I know in terms of our community of grace, I've, I think as I've been just kind of stewing on all this, I feel like we've taken our ability to be physically present as a given. Like so many churches, so many faith communities around the world. I mean, ask yourself, did we ever really appreciate what a gift it is to be able to stand and sit, to sing and pray, to eat and drink, to come to the table person to person, face to face, side by side, together? I, I know for me, doing this, talking to you through a camera lens, it's really made me step back and reflect on how much I didn't appreciate being able to see you, being able to interact with you every Sunday to benefit from your smiles, from your care, from your energy, and myself to be blessed to offer you mine in return. I don't know. Maybe now we can empathize a bit more. Maybe now we can empathize a bit more with our shut-ins who can't be with us each Sunday. Maybe now we can empathize a bit more with those who, because of surgery or illness, can't join us for a period of time. And, you know, something else that comes to mind is perhaps if it didn't mean much to us before or if we didn't fully understand it, one of the core convictions of our faith 
the incarnation, you know, what we celebrate every Christmas time, that this idea that we worship a God who loves us so much that he comes down to be with us physically, in the flesh, in person. Maybe if we didn't really understand it, maybe if it didn't mean much to us before, maybe now, in light of what we're going through, it means more to us than it ever possibly did. Maybe it means more to us now than ever. You know, I think also about all the recent conversations we've been having before COVID-19 descended upon us, all those conversations we've had about possibly moving towards a single combined service. And I don't know about you, but it all takes on new meaning in light of what we're facing right now. Without a vote, <laughs> without a choice, we find ourselves already there, right? I mean, we're having a single combined service, whether we wanted one or not. And I think we're also truly discovering more than we ever realized how much better we are when we are all together. And my hope and prayer on the other side of this, whichever way that possibility of a single combined service goes, is that we'll not take that for granted, that we're better together. But one of the things I've been really chewing on, as like most of you, I've been confined to the walls of my house, is this. Right now, I, I, everybody I interact with on the phone, social media, texting, what have you, everyone, we're all pretty much in agreement that we don't like being isolated from each other, right? But in a way, isn't this how most of us actually lived before COVID-19? What I'm saying is, if you think back before where we were to where we are now, before, you know, quarantine, self or otherwise imposed, we were always all too busy. Just busy. That was what, how we would define our lives, right? We were always pre too preoccupied with work or other things. I mean, we'd always think about reaching out to each other. We continually say, yeah, we need to reconnect. We need to find time to reconnect. But then we'd only have time for a quick phone call, uh, maybe a brief text, or perhaps you found yourself regularly thinking about calling or texting that other person. It was on your mind, but with all that busyness, with all those other things going on, you never actually got around to doing it. <laughs> well, because of COVID-19, with all of our busyness and all our other stuff going on before COVID-19, I mean, you know, with all that busyness and with all our other stuff going on, something else I just thought about is even those of us who didn't live alone, you know, uh, may have been engaging our relationships with the people with whom we were living under the same roof, roof with like, what's the expression, uh, ships passing in the night. You know what I mean? You know, you're physically occupying the same space, but you're not really being together. And all that's changed, hasn't it? So what then? What is God seeking to have us learn through all of this? And in asking that question, I'm not suggesting that God caused COVID-19, far from it. But I know that God uses all things for his purposes, and God uses all things to continue to shape us and to transform us into whom we're created to be. God can use anything, and God just prides himself on using the things that are not of him, the things that are, if they're not of him, that are evil, that are wrong, not the way it's supposed to be for our benefit, for our good. So then, what is God trying to teach us through all this? How can Paul's words here offer us insight into what we're facing and how we should face it? You know, I think it comes down to this. The church is not a building. It's a people. 
It's us. I know we've all heard this before many times. And yet, despite this, let's be honest, despite hearing this many, many times, the church is not a building, it's the people. We are the church. We still think and speak of the church as a place, as an address. We say things like, oh, I'll see you at church, or, well, we didn't go to church today, or was anybody at church today? But Paul, in this brief snippet from his letter to the Ephesians, makes it clear, did you catch it? We are the building. The community of faith is not something man-made, not something ultimately defined by a geographical location. We, the people, who believe and seek first the kingdom of God, are made the church, formed into a community of faith built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, linked and joined together by Jesus Christ, our chief cornerstone. Paul emphasizes we are a building that is not yet finished. As we are being built up together, more can and should and will be added in order that our community might together become one great big house, the very temple of the Lord, where God's spirit dwells. That means even though we are physically apart, we don't have to be separated from each other. We are, as Paul says, no longer foreigners and strangers to each other. Whether we are in the same room together or whether we are gathered together like this in attenuated or moderated space through the internet and social media, we are connected to each other. We are connected to each other by the God in whose image we are made. We are connected to each other by the God who is not bound by space or time. Our togetherness as the body of Christ is defined by the timeless and transcendent word of God and the person and power of the Holy Spirit who lives in each of us and therefore is always present. And so we find ourselves, if you think about it, much like the early church, the first generation of believers who followed Jesus, who did not have a sanctuary, who did not have a warehouse, who did not have a gym or a community center or a school which they could rent. They met in homes, just like we are now doing. And in the face of a growing threat, they had to go underground. They had to figure out how to stay connected, even when they couldn't be physically together in public, just like we are doing now. And that was the time when the church thrived and grew. It's not because Christianity had become the official religion of Rome. That came later. The church thrived and grew when being physically together was not easy or sometimes even possible. Rather, those first believers had to keep moving. They needed to be creative and they were willing to try new things in order to spread the word about the gospel and to make Jesus as visible and real to as many people as possible. And that's what they did. So maybe, maybe that's what's happening right now. Maybe what's happening right now is a wake-up call for us as the church. 
Maybe the changes we are being forced to undertake will leave us less fixated on the place where we worship together and more focused on being together in worship. Maybe that is what's going on. Maybe that's what's happening to get us beyond being so attached to a location and instead to be compelled to fully become together what the church was always intended to be, a movement, a movement of people following Jesus by reflecting his love, his grace, his truth, his hope, his power. Not by sitting in a pew, but by reaching out and connecting with others, by serving our neighbors and transforming our city for the better. Maybe now that all that other stuff has been stripped down, stripped away from us, all those other things we convinced ourselves was so much more important, maybe now we will finally understand. We will finally understand it's not how we worship or where we worship, but that we are worshiping, not being fixated on ourselves, not being about getting our needs and preferences met, but working together to serve each other, to meet the needs of those around us, to ensure that everyone is invited, that all can participate, that no one is forgotten or left behind. My friends, beloved, this moment of global crisis is an opportunity for both our solidarity as the church and our solidarity in being the church to the world. Now is the time for us to break free of the idolatrous idea that our worship of Christ should always and can only fit into one mold. As long, <laughs> as long as we are singularly focused and devoted to Jesus, then we can and we must be constructively flexible in how we make our worship happen. Now is the time for us to break free of the limited and confined notion that we need a piece of property, that we need a physical campus in order to share the gospel, in order to lead others to Christ, in order to make disciples. My friends, loving our neighbor, embracing the stranger, reflecting the kingdom of God that is among us doesn't require any of those things. A building, a piece of property, a campus. All it takes, all it demands is a people. A people of faith who are willing to gather and work together, who are willing to partner and to encourage, who are willing to tangibly and generously express love and grace, peace and compassion, wisdom and courage in the name of Jesus, however, wherever, and with whomever they can. So yeah, everything is different now. But the God we look to the God we worship remains the same, unchanged, unchanging. This is our time in the wilderness, church. Think about it. This is our time in the wilderness, and we can grumble, and we can complain, or we can rally together and count and share our blessings. 
we can express gratitude and grace, trusting God rather than testing God through all this. So let's keep looking to Jesus. Let's keep following Christ, walking through the valley of this shadow of death, but fearing no evil. Let us anticipate resurrection. Resurrection that will come on the other side of this. Easter is not tied to a specific date. Easter is any time life triumphs over death. So even if we're not together in our sanctuary to celebrate Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, we can still celebrate it. And in fact, when we're back in it, that's our Resurrection Sunday. So let us anticipate the resurrection that will come on the other side of this, even as we seek now to lovingly reach out and serve and bring along as many possible people as we can along the way. Amen.